My name is Alice Grace, and my story starts on a cool midsummer evening in my childhood home on the shores of an enormous lake surrounded by mountains. It's the 31st of July 2023, and I'm sitting on my balcony in my family's house looking at the full moon and I'm about to leave on my permaculture pilgrimage in a few days. I'm excited, I'm nervous. I was about to depart for one of the wildest journeys of my life. And if I'm honest, I was feeling super nervous about it. Even though I'd been planning this trip for months and had even gotten a grant from Stanford University to do it, now that I was actually about to take this journey, I was feeling super unprepared and mentally unstable. I was taking this journey because I wanted to research off-grid communities that were using organic and regenerative agriculture methods, such as permaculture, to grow their own food. I wanted to know how these communities were managing to be self-sufficient. My plan was to visit a bunch of permaculture communities and farms in Portugal, Spain, and France. A lot of these communities are not successful, though, in the long run. So I wanted to interview people who had figured out not just how to create these communities, but also how to make them last. But in order to understand this beginning, I have to go back to another beginning. In 2018, when I had just finished my freshman year at Stanford, my mom's best friend Patricia, who I had known since I was a kid, was in town. And she took me out to dinner one casual weekday to celebrate finishing my first year. It had been a really tough year, and I had been feeling pretty lost but it still took me by surprise when Patricia asked how I was doing and I burst into tears. I ended up sobbing over my edamame dumplings about how overwhelmed, lonely, and depressed I was. Patricia listened with understanding eyes and then she suggested the one thing that I had never given myself permission to dare consider, leaving Stanford. Yep. She told me about how her own daughter had gone through a similar struggle in college and how taking time off to travel and focus on herself was the best thing she ever did. My parents could not have been more opposed to the idea of me taking time off from university, and they shuddered at the idea of me traveling around in what they perceived to be aimless wandering and bumming around. I went back to Stanford the next fall, but the seed of leaving had been planted and would only grow in my mind, fed by my thoughts and dreams to live out my wildest adventures. I could not stop thinking about it. I just had this intense gut feeling that something really bad was going to happen if I stayed at university. And all through that quarter, I continued to struggle until finally I got to a point where the feeling that I had to leave Stanford grew so strong that I couldn't possibly imagine staying there another year, let alone another three. I had no motivation to do any of my work or go to classes, and I didn't know how to pull myself out of my despair. 
the only thing that kept me going was researching permaculture farms and communities in Australia. Growing up in Switzerland, I'd known about permaculture since high school because I volunteered at a man named Julian's home a couple times, which was also an off-grid permaculture farm. I always had this sense that there was something really meaningful happening there and at these permaculture farms. And whenever I visited, I felt so inspired by the lush biodiversity and abundance of organic food crops. He was even growing mangoes there, which is basically unheard of in Swiss alpine climate. The people that lived there seemed so healthy and connected to nature. They didn't rely on the government for water, electricity, power, or sewage, because they created their own ecological systems. But I was always too busy with school and life to spend enough time at the farms, or understand what it was all about and what made these places so special. And so, in December 2019, I left Stanford and flew to Australia. I moved from farm to farm, working in exchange for food and a place to pitch my tent. Some of the places I visited were vibrant communities and others were off-grid farms of one to two local residents. For the first time since I could remember, I felt a deep sense of purpose. I felt inspired by the people and landscapes around me. They were the complete opposite of everything I'd left at Stanford. It was a slow-paced way of living, connected to nature, people, food, water, plants, and animals, you name it. We worked for our food and for the land instead of just working to get money to buy things on a vicious cycle. About three months into my time in Australia, I had just completed my permaculture design certification at a farm called Janbung Gardens when the pandemic hit. I didn't want to leave, so I applied to extend my visa so I could stay for another year. One year turned into two, which turned into three, and the pandemic shut everything down. So instead of going back to school, I traveled to Costa Rica, Guatemala, and Mexico doing work exchanges, an artist residency, and living in intentional communities or farms wherever I went and could. I spent almost no time in cities. I felt inspired by what I was seeing and what I was able to contribute to the people and land around me in the communities I was a part of. I built gardens, cleaned, cooked, or played music for community events, I learned about mushroom cultivation and built composting systems and also started really getting into nonviolent communication and other forms of conscious communication, which then led me, which then led me to start leading workshops for the communities I was a part of. I thought that my depression would just go away when I left Stanford, but over time I came to realize that it never really left me. Even though I was living the life of my dreams, it would come in waves, crashing down on me. But now I was experiencing those waves in communities that could support me through them. I learned the value of vulnerability as people around me cared for me when the waves of depression came. 
Mostly, I learned to be kinder to myself and that everything is always in flux, including my mental state. I learned to trust in community, nature, and the universe, but most importantly, I learned to trust myself. And over that time, I got a lot more clarity about what it was that I wanted to focus on at Stanford. I wanted to go back, and I wanted to co-create community for myself and others to feel at home in. I wanted to be of service to the land and offer myself to the people there and pursue the arts in a way that I had in the communities I'd been a part of in Central America and Australia. I felt called to share the knowledge and practices I had gathered living in communities those three years and felt that they could really help create more connection and healing at Stanford and help people who might be struggling the same way I did my first year of college. So in the winter of 2023, I returned to Stanford with lists and plans of all I wanted to achieve and create there. I was so excited to come back and create an inclusive community with people who shared my values, and I couldn't wait to study things that I cared about. But soon enough, the creeping stress and intensity of Stanford started to take over some of my joy as I shifted from spending countless hours a day with my hands in the soil and being in connection with others to staring at a screen. As time went on, that motivation and excitement that I gained from my leave of absences and the promise I made to myself about carrying that energy back to Stanford slowly faded under the intensity of schoolwork. I didn't have time or energy to do the things I was really excited to do, and it became all about finishing the work I had for my classes and less about community and projects I wanted to create. Fast forward to summer 2023. Sitting on the balcony under the moonlight in my childhood bedroom after being back at school for six months, I judged myself for being right back at what felt like the same place I started at four years ago. Feeling lost and overwhelmed by what was expected of me, confused and desperately trying to find my way back to a sense of meaning and purpose. Back to myself and my truth. But this time, I assured myself, this journey would change things. This time, things would be different. Since I was going to physically record my journey, I'd have audio evidence for why these permaculture communities were transformative and what I needed to get myself back on track and excited for life. In other words, back to alignment with my best self. I hoped that if the waves would come back and I felt like I was drowning in purposelessness, I could listen back to the lessons I'd learned and be reminded of who I am and what I need to be healthy. Like, maybe I would come out of the journey with a roadmap for how to avoid falling into the same traps that kept pulling me back into overwhelm. To put it bluntly, I wanted the cheat codes to escape the darkness of the world and the darkness of myself. I don't know what the journey will hold, but I know it will hold amazing teachings and knowledge and... I don't really know where I'm going, like I don't have have like the first place planned, but I'm gonna really just see where the road takes me and trust that 
It will take me where I must go. So the next morning, I put a mattress in the back of the car and embarked on a one month long journey through Spain and Portugal, driving 3000 kilometers. I left yesterday and I'm driving by these lavender fields now. Being on this trip, I feel a little bit like on edge. It's gonna be like around a month of travel. It's scary how much time that is scary to have all that time practically unknown. I think what I'm wanting is to be at peace with myself. I don't feel peace. Eventually, I found my way to Tamara, an off-grid eco-village in Portugal. Also, one of the most established and well-known intentional communities in the world. Tamara was one of the most impressive intentional communities I had ever seen. Tamara defines itself as a healing biotype, which means a decentralized community and place where all beings live together in full cooperation and trust. It's also a habitat where all life forms, humans, plants, animals, waters, and other beings coexist to wholeness of life. At least that's what I found on their website. We're walking through the gardens and it's amazing how green and lush it is with being in the height of the drought and them having not seen rainfall for months and months and months. They have these built-in water collection systems that they're irrigating the land with. Lots of things are growing, lots of food. I spoke to countless community members during the time I spent there. It was like an oasis in the desert with natural swimming holes and endless fruit trees and trails to roam without ending. I picked wild blackberries that grew everywhere. I walked barefoot in the summer sun and observed small children without parents watching over them explore and roam the land freely. There was a stone circle where I got to connect with spirits where many community members would gather every day at sunrise for something called God Point. There was a magic spring referred to as the Oracle that I dipped myself in naked and sang in ways I didn't know I could with a friend I met there who soon became a sister. And I even got to experience the infamous love spaces scattered around the immense land. They were intimate huts where community members and guests could share free love. Everyone I met there was so present and down to earth welcoming and eager to share their experiences and knowledge of intentional community, as well as answer my countless questions. Earth and cob natural buildings and the cleanest compost toilets I'd ever seen in any community, as well as solar paneled caravans dotted the vast landscapes in clusters. The community of Tamara was more like a village 
with designated groups and physical locations around the campus created for what seemed like endless areas of research, which were also community members and lived reality. Some of these included artistry, activism, culture and tradition, love and sexuality events, natural medicine, technology, the list just goes on. Some of these areas were, were like micro-communities within the larger Tamara community. One of the community members, Frederick, explained that all areas of community are interconnected, and if one area suffers, the community at large will struggle. Building a healing biotope is this iterative process of trying to build trust among human beings, trying to heal our relationship with the, and, and re-embed ourselves in the the place where we live, within the natural environment where we live, of bringing more consciousness to how we deal with love and sexuality, where our food comes from, how we build things, where energy comes from. I would argue that one often will, will come to the conclusion that you need community, because you will need to do many different things that one person cannot do alone. That community is any way that the healthy, native environment for the human being. You will need a shared ceremony and ritual. You will need healers. You will need um, teachers. You will need mentors. You will need points of social contact, people with social knowledge. You will need to care for the water. I also shared countless conversations with Rico, an amazing guide and school teacher from Switzerland who had been a Tamara resident and core community member for 12 years. So we are 180 people, so we live spread in our land. And it's a big, it's a big area of land. Yeah, I mean we have 130 hectares. So Tamara is a research place, research village that people living in community have the aim and the wish to create peace on this earth on every level and researching how it could happen or how we live a life that we don't have to lie to each other anymore, that we don't exploit our mother earth anymore. What does we need to create a life free of fear in the contact between each other but also in the contact with me between me and animals, between me or between the human being and other elements, and how we create trust in all these levels. This is a huge undertaking where we are working now for over the project itself, over 45 years, something like this. And in Tamera, we have different areas where, where we make this research. So this is the solar village, the technology, technology area, permaculture, garden, raising children, um, water management, and human, inner human work, working at our inner development that we are studying history, from where we come from, to be able to understand our behavior, our structure, and to change them if necessary, and to put this together and to take these areas all together, that they are weaved with each other actually. One of the most fascinating things I learned while being at Tamara was the importance placed on personal development work. 
I learned that most communities fail due to unresolved issues and conflicts between community members. What makes Tamara different is that they addressed this when they started building the community 40 years ago. This was mostly done through a process they called Forum. So Forum is one tool that we use in this community where we have a circle like this now and then a person can go into the middle and speak, be transparent, speak truth, um, doing an SD about something that is really annoying you. We say always the SD stands also for self-discovery, it's like a performance. This is Jessica, an active community member of six years who works at Tamara's Culture Center and previously worked as a kindergarten teacher at Tamara's School of Hope. She's currently one of the many forum leaders at Tamara, specializing in character development work through play. So I have the possibility to go into the middle and just put it out. Maybe I kill a person in the middle because I need to move this energy and I have this inside of me. And then something gets also free. Now this is the energy that gets so often stuck. And then it can move. And I actually can have maybe new insights that I wouldn't have before. Also not just you need to go to the middle always to bring really something anger, but also to show what you really, really love. I mean, you can do a lot of therapy also in the afternoon, right? It's also kind of character work. You become aware of your traumas, about things that are moving you. Then you also get to know what's going on. But I think what is really powerful in community is actually to do it in community, to be seen of more than just one person. Because most of the times, we are so separated because we need to hide. We can't speak about love. We can't speak about the attractions we have. We can't say to our best friend how we raise your child. It's actually, I think you should do this. Just seeing that it's not us, we are not the problem, but more people deal with it, create also a lot of um, trust. From listening to Jessica and spending time at Tamara, I understood how important it is for communities to have spaces where people can speak and share openly what they are going through. And Forum is just one of the ways that Tamara is doing this. It is also essential for a community to have systems for decision-making, critical feedback, and conflict resolution. It can't just be about nurturing the soil to grow food. It has to be about nurturing relationships between community members, too. What I was learning at Tamara about how healing and connecting it can be to be witnessed in your vulnerability felt really resonant for me. During my trip, I also got to experience living in a completely different off-grid community in the south of Spain called Hidden Paradise, where I took part in a deeply transformative spiritual retreat that focused on healing through Tantra and shamanism. The focus of the retreat was around healing one's relationship to body, mind, and spirit, as well as working with sexual energy. I didn't really know much more than that, but something in me told me that I needed to be there and that it would help me move through some of the difficult things I had been feeling. I was the youngest one there. It was a brave space and a container of about 40 participants all ages and diverse European nationalities. 
nudity was fully welcome in all spaces at all times. I didn't go on my phone at all during the eight days I was there. Nor did I record much of my experience in the present because I was very deep in my process. I pitched my tent under an olive tree that would constantly entangle me in its spider webs. Every morning would start with meditation and yoga at 7 a.m. And then we would gather in a circle where we could step into the middle if you wanted to be seen or heard in something. It was a lot of emotional release of all sorts. Speaking, screaming, crying, shaking, breathing, making sounds were some among many ways we were witnessing each other in our rawness that week. Many people were drawn there to heal sexual abuse and trauma. Others were there to study Tantra techniques. I witnessed strangers who became family take up space and express their pain, stories, emotions, and feelings that they came there to release. I did the same. It was a super scary and the most intense week of my life, but I felt so supported and held by the community. I gave myself permission to express the parts of myself I had never dared to. Being in a container that encouraged radical self-expression gave me permission to face myself and see myself in others and eventually release what was no longer serving me. Sitting on the roof on the empty hostel I relocated to in a random village in Andalusia, Spain. I looked out at the orange lights in windows of villagers surrounded by brown rock mounted faces. Finally, a break from the scorching heat that would peak at 110 degrees in the day. I listened to the church bells and dogs barking and started to reflect on the crazy experience I just had. I was able to surrender and release that fear, that shame of my body, trust. I moved so much, I danced so much in such freeing ways. And what I came to relearn is just how pure of a vessel I am, how I have magic healing hands and I feel energy so deeply, I'm a channel. And I got to experience myself really harnessing that energy that was so potent in the space from everyone else and all the love and shamanic processes that were happening. I really learned that I'm here to move and I'm here to express myself and I'm not here to hold myself back in fear of making people uncomfortable. None of these shifts I was able to create in myself would have happened if it was not for the support of the tight-knit community that was created throughout the retreat. And I realized how hard it was for me to really be myself and allow myself to express in my full embodiment at a place like Stanford. There's so much life, movement, sound, and presence that I'm here to bring in service of myself and in service of others. And that's who I am. I'm a channel. I'm a healer. 
I'm a creator and I'm powerful and I'm no longer gonna be scared of how others might receive that. Of course, I hold love always for others, respect and honor and care. See them as my brothers and sisters. And this is the way I must continue. As I witnessed others confront their darkness, I had the courage to do the same and be seen by the community in that, which made it so much more real. I realized how much I had been suppressing my feelings and my voice to make myself small in hopes of being liked, but also to live up to other people's expectations of me. And in doing that, I realized that I'd lost my connection to myself. I was given permission and space by the community to be vulnerable and realized that vulnerability is actually a part of my identity. And more importantly, it's okay for me to take space to share my vulnerability. After the retreat, I went to a couple other communities and farms. One of them, which was nearby to Hidden Paradise, could not have been more different from Tamara. It's 9 a.m. I'm sitting on a rock on this hippie community that was just 15 minutes away from the retreat center and camped here last night. It's pretty rough. Um, like trash everywhere and people just shitting like wherever everyone kind of is saying oh it's not what it used to be and it used to be better and now it's full of druggies uh, what? someone's fucking screaming um i don't think i want to be here i didn't stay at that community for long and had a crazy experience there. But I learned a lot about how a community can suffer from lack of structure and organization. I'll save that for another episode though, and instead take you to the end of my journey. I am driving home and I'll be home in about 45 minutes. <sighs> yeah, it's crazy how a month went by. I feel like a different person. I cut my hair. It's pretty short. That also feels like a new energy of change. Feels like a new opportunity to just show up for myself as myself, without shame, with love. That it doesn't matter where I am and who I'm around, I can be myself. So, what did I learn on this journey? I learned how to come back to myself and that I can do that through living in community and connecting to nature and just spending time with myself. I want to keep coming back to it through breath, through movement, through embodiment and that there's nothing to fear. I hold the power to change.
change my experience, the power to create the world that I want to live in, create the self I want to be, to trust in humanity and in myself and in my tribe and the goodness in all of us, to be humble, to be curious, acknowledge that I'm always learning, I will always be learned no matter how different we might seem or act or think we're all one, we're all connected to our source, to each other, and there's no separation. I don't want to look at the world through the lens of separation. I don't want to look at my brothers and sisters as separate. I finally had learned how to recenter myself and move stuck energy when I feel lost. And this journey was living proof of it. I had recordings of myself and reflections that I documented along the way of practices I could fall back on. But really, when I thought I needed a roadmap, what I was really needing was a way to express myself, to be seen and witnessed in my fullness. I realized that I don't need to do it alone and the power of sharing vulnerability within community can be deeply healing. I learned that having systems in a community for people to share authentically and be seen and heard, such as Forum, is what holds a community together. And the health of human ecosystems that exist in permaculture communities is just as important as the plant and animal systems. And in fact, their well-beings depend on each other. I can't exactly change the waves that make up the ocean of my mind, but I will say that I can choose how to ride them. I can choose when to hold my breath or swim against the current or dive underwater. I always have a choice how I will react. I invite you to see one another